Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We are moving into another day, which is, uh, as always, a day to, to be thankful that we're alive. Thank you that God has given us family and friends, and some of you will be listening to this after church, some before, uh, some the day after. <laughs> so uh, we just want to thank him for all that he's doing and the way he is bringing things into perspective, the way things are going right now. It's quite amazing. Uh, I, I didn't think we'd ever be living in days like this, seeing the, the kinds of things we are seeing right now. It's quite astonishing. Well, we'll move into today, uh, more of Ezekiel 9, 10, and 11. We'll be looking at Hebrews as well, pressing on Hebrews chapter 5. So let's go ahead and look at this day in trivia of November 13th. Today's puzzle, some months have 30 days. Some months have 31 days. How many months have 28 days? The answer? All of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Duh. But we, it's easy how well we get our brain twisted by those little brain puzzles. Mark Twain said the secret to getting ahead is getting started. So we're going to get started in the word here in just a second, but we're going to look at some of these things that happened on this day. November 13th, 1956, interstate bus segregation was ruled unconstitutional. It was a result of a bus boycott in which Rosa Parks, an African-American woman, was arrested for refusing to surrender her seat to a white person. That got overturned. Thank God. Hmm, let's see over here. First helicopter flight, November 13th, 1907. French bicycle maker Paul Carnu achieves the first manned helicopter free flight. What's with these bicycle makers getting in the air? Well, they know how to make strong, lightweight transportation vehicles. And to fly, you need something that is strong and lightweight. And so they had that in their mind. And also very creative, I'm sure, just being used to using their hands. It only went one foot off the ground and was up for 20 seconds, but it wasn't tethered. It was a free flight. So he's credited as the first one who ever flew a helicopter. And first man-made object to orbit another planet was the Mariner 9. It orbits Mars November 13, 1971. And first dirigible, heavy, all-metal dirigible, 18. 97 on this day it took off from berlin had uh, a 16 horsepower engine traveled a few miles but then crashed due to a leak mm-hmm. and let's see i think that the only other one i'm going to read today is uh the birthday of jean montagu john montagu is celebrated and this is his birthday he was born on november 13th 1718 because he was an English diplomat and he was the fourth Earl of Sandwich for whom the Sandwich Islands are named and the inventor of the sandwich, which he devised as a quick meal to allow him more time to gamble. (laughs) The original sandwich 
was a piece of salt beef between two slices of toasted bread. So there you go. The sandwich was an invention out of the cardinal nature of man to have more time to gamble. That's pretty funny. Okay, well, we can move over now. Oh, I was going to see if we had any dad jokes. Let me move down here and see if we have any. Hmm, swords never grow obsolete. They're the cutting edge of technology. <laughs> That's not bad. How about we get, see if we can get one more down there. My uncle Frank died. He wanted his remains to be buried in his favorite beer mug. His last wish was to be a Frankenstein. <laughs> Uh, okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, we are in chapter 9, I believe, of the book of Ezekiel. So look for your place there, and we will give this time to the Lord. Father God, uh, guide us and bless us as we look into your word. We are here, God. We ask that by your spirit you break through all the business and everything that's going on in our minds and just bring us into your presence. Give us, God, that extraordinary spiritual dimension, that understanding, so that we can see these things in the light that you wish for us to see them in. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 9, the book of Ezekiel. Then he cried out in my hearing with a loud voice, saying, Draw near, O executioners of the city, each with his destroying weapon in his hand, Behold, six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his shattering weapon in his hand. And among them was a certain man clothed in linen with a writing case at his loins. And they went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Then the glory of the Lord of Israel went up from the cherub on which it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed in linen at whose loins was the writing case. And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, even through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over the abominations which are being committed in its midst. But to the others he said, In my hearing, go through the city. After him and strike, do not let your eye have pity, and do not spare. Utterly slay old men and young men, maidens and little children, and women, but do not touch any man on whom is the mark. For you shall start from my sanctuary. So they started with the elders who were before the temple. And he said to them, Defile the temple and fill the courts with the slain. Go out. And thus they went out and struck down the people in the city. As they were striking the people, I alone was left, and I fell on my face and cried out, saying, Alas, Lord God, you are destroying the whole remnant of Israel and pouring out your wrath on Jerusalem. Then he said to me, The iniquity of the house of Israel of Judah is very, very great. And the land is filled with blood, and the city is full of perversions. For they say, The Lord has forsaken the land, and the Lord does not see. But as for me, my eye will have no pity, nor will I spare but I will bring their conduct upon their heads. Then behold, a man clothed in linen, at whose loins was the writing case, reported, saying, I have done just as you have commanded me. Chapter 10. 
Then I looked, and behold, in the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, something like a sapphire stone, in appearance resembling a throne, appeared above them. And he spoke to the man clothed in linen and said, Enter between the whirling wheels under the cherubim and fill your hands with coals of fire from between the cherubim and scatter them over the city. And he entered in my sight. Now the cherubim were standing on the right side of the temple when the man entered and the cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub to the threshold of the temple and the temple was filled with the cloud and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of the Lord. Moreover, the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court, like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks. It came about when he commanded the man clothed in linen, saying, Take fire from between the whirling wheels, from between the cherubim. And he entered, stood beside a wheel. Then the cherub stretched out his hand from between the cherubim to the fire which was between the cherubim, took some and put it into the hands of the one clothed in linen, who took it and went out. The cherubim appeared to have the form of a man's hand under the wings. I looked, and behold, four wheels beside the cherubim, one wheel beside each cherub, and the appearance of the wheels was like the gleam of a tarnished stone. As for the appearance, all four of them had the same likeness as if one wheel were within another wheel. When they moved, they went in any of the four directions without turning as they went, and they followed in each direction, which they faced without turning as they went. Their whole body and their backs, their hands, their wings, and their wheels were full of eyes all around, the wheels belonging to all four of them. The wheels were called, in my hearing, the whirling wheels, and each one had four faces. The first face was the face of a cherub, the second face was the face of a man, the third was the face of a lion, and the fourth the face of an eagle. Then the cherubim rose up. They are the living beings that I saw by the river Chebar. Now when the cherubim moved, the wheels would go beside them. Also when the cherubim lifted up their wings to rise from the ground, the wheels would not turn from beside them. When the cherubim stood still, the wheels would stand still. When they rose up, the wheels would rise up with them, for the spirit of the living being was in them. Then the glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the temple and stood over the cherubim. And when the cherubim departed, they lifted up their wings and rose up from the earth in my sight and the wheels beside them. And they stood still at the entrance of the east gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of the Lord of Israel hovered over them. These are the living beings that I saw beneath the God of Israel by the river Chabar. So I knew that they were the cherubim. Each one of them had four faces. Each one had four wings, and beneath their wings was the form of human hands. As for the likeness of their faces, they were the same faces whose appearance I had seen by the river Chabar. Each one went straight ahead. Moreover, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the Lord's house, which faced eastward. And behold, there were twenty-five men at the entrance of the gate, and among them I saw Jezaniah, the son of Azur, and Pelatiah, son of Benaniah, leaders of the people. He said to me, Son of man, these are the men who devise iniquity and give evil advice to the city, who say the time is not near to build houses. This city is the pot, and we are the flesh. Therefore prophesy against them, son of man, prophesy. 
Then the Spirit of the Lord fell on me, and he said to me, Say, thus says the Lord, So you think, house of Israel, for I know your thoughts. You have multiplied your slain in the city, filling its streets with them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Your slain whom you have laid in the midst of the city are the flesh, and this city is the pot. But I will bring you out of it. You have feared a sword, so I will bring a sword upon you, the Lord God declares. And I will bring you out of the midst of the city and deliver you into the hands of the strangers and execute judgment against you. You will fall by the sword. I will judge you to the border of Israel. So you shall know that I am the Lord. This city will not be a pot for you, nor will you be flesh in the midst of it. But I will judge you to the border of Israel. Thus you will know that I am the Lord. For you have not walked in my statutes, nor have you executed my ordinances, but have acted according to the ordinances of the nations around you. Now it came about as I prophesied that Pelatiah, the son of Benaniah, died. Then I fell on my face and cried out with a loud voice and said, Alas, Lord God, will you bring the remnant of Israel to a complete end? Verse 14. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, your brothers, your relatives, your fellow exiles, and the whole house of Israel, all of them, are those whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Go far from the Lord. This land has been given us as a possession. Therefore say, Thus says the Lord God, Though I had removed them far away among the nations, and though I had scattered them among the countries, Yet I was a sanctuary for them a little while in the countries where they had gone. Therefore, say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries among which you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. When they came there, they will remove all of its detestable things and all its abominations from it. And I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. And I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. Then they will be my people and I shall be their God. But as for those whose hearts go after their detestable things and abominations, I will bring their conduct down on their heads, declares the Lord. Then the cherubim lifted up their wings with the wheels beside them, and the glory of the God of Israel hovered over them. The glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city, stood over the mountains, which is east of the city. And the Spirit lifted me up and brought me in the vision by the Spirit of God to the exiles of Chaldea. So the vision that I had seen left me. Then I told the exiles all the things which the Lord had shown me. I almost don't know where to begin on this one. This is him there in this vision, seeing these abominations continuing. And now he's getting prophetic words to, t- to tell them. God wants them to judge, wants the prophet to judge them within the vision, even. Well, he's really physically not there, but he's able to judge them while he's there. And obviously his presence was real. It wasn't so much of a dream because we see the son of Benaniah there dying out of this judgment physical things were happening and he's prophesying these prophecies but i get the impression that 
he is just observing. They don't really can't comprehend he's there because he's in the spirit. But I'm wondering because he's sitting in his house in Babylon with all the elders around him. You have to wonder while he's in this vision, if they're not writing things down, if he's not speaking and saying, thus says the Lord, and they're writing things down. It's just supposition. Nobody knows. I have no idea. But it's fun to think about. We don't have any commentary or anything that says they saw him. Obviously, they would have been startled. <laughs> they would be like, hey, uh, Zika, what are you doing here? You're in Babylon. And, of course, he would there be there beside an angel. It would have been uh, quite overwhelming. You would think that would be some mention of it. So they don't mention it, but he seems to be um, bringing this judgment to them. And at the same time, you see something that is so great and so wonderful and something so sad at the same time. What you're seeing is the glory of God getting ready to depart the temple. The glory that was there manifest as, as it was still there. I, I don't understand how, after they had rejected him, they had these secret rooms of these idol worships, worshiping and pornography and all the stuff they had, they totally rejected, turned worshiping with their backs to the temple, all this stuff. And yet he had somehow remained. His glory was there, and now it's, it's leaving. It's picking up with the, the cherub, and it's getting ready to leave. And with the cherub, you have these wheels that go up. And we'll never really understand these wheels with eyes all around that go up or whatever, wherever the, the, the cherub go, the wheels go. But you know what? When I was reading that, I said, you know what? There is something there. Beautiful. There was an invisible bond between these wheels and these cherub, these cherubim. They were holy. They were ministers of fire. They were used by God. And I tend to think in my own little brain that there might be a modeling going on there between us and God maybe our, 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 us and the Holy Spirit, we as believers as we follow the Lord and Savior, there's this, there's this realm in the spiritual world where, where he goes and moves, we go with him. We are his followers. There is an invisible bond, and we have this beautiful, um, this beautiful situation where there's something supernatural that bonds us, and the world can't quite define it, but it's, it's neat to see that if we are moving, maybe you could turn it around on the earthly side of it to get the, the heavenly perspective as we move through the world, and where we get up and go, the Holy Spirit is there. Now, I should say, maybe the, the glory of God is there because we know the Holy Spirit dwells within us, so you know this, this whole modeling can fall apart if you, wanna, if you want it to. I would say that more more so not the Holy Spirit, but the, just the idea that we have this invisible but permanent bond with our Creator God. He created us to be that way, and so where He goes, we go. And I just like the idea and the modeling of it. Um, the other thing that we see there that we see here is as the glory is going to leave the temple, which is so sad. They're going to come back and rebuild it. And, but he says, you know what? My people will come back. 
they will come back and I'm going to take their, their heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. I'm going to give them a new heart and they're going to, they're never going to turn from me again. They're going to love me. We're looking forward in way into the end times as we come into the millennium where the Lord's going to be established. But God promises is going to do something amazing. And what I, I see so much in this is, is there is this double prophecy, double fulfillment, because as the spirit is, of glory of God is getting ready to leave, it's not going to return until when? Until Jesus walks into the temple. Even as a boy, he's going to walk in, and, and the, the, the manifest presence of God on the earth is going to be there, established on the temple once again. But then it's and he is the one that is going to change our heart of stone for and give us a heart of flesh. He's the one that transforms us uh, from the dead to the living. And so there's this modeling going on and this promise of restoration that God has given Ezekiel. As bad as things were, there was going to be this future restoration. Pretty cool. All right, let's look over into Hebrews right now. Hebrews chapter 5, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifice for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided since he himself also is beset with weakness. And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sin as for the people, so also for himself. And no one takes the honor to himself but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Just as he says also in another passage, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Concerning him, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again of someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, for you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of the practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Again, the Hebrew Christians there were falling prey to the Judaizers, some of the Gnostics, I imagine, saying that we can get there by ourselves. We can have our cake and eat it too. We can be Jews. We can go to the temple, follow the customs, the rituals, the feast, and be circumcised and be Christians. And um, because they were following the priesthood uh, of the Levites, they felt that was important. And uh, here the writer is saying, no, we have to understand we have a high priest, Jesus Christ. He is above the order of Aaron and the Levites. He's from the the everlasting and perfect order of Melchizedek. He has no beginning, no end. It was a greater covenant, a greater priesthood, and it was a greater um, sal should I say salvation. Yeah, not by works, but by his grace. So 
Uh, and so he describes Jesus. He gives us an understanding of how his ministry worked, that he offered up the sins. There he is, as we keep saying, he was both the, both the high priest offering the sin and the sin offering himself. And he be, was made perfect in the sense, not that he wasn't perfect before, but you could say that he was recognized as perfect and that no spot or blemish was found upon him throughout his years of ministry or throughout all these years of growing up. So um, he was perfect and he learned obedience and things uh, from the things he suffered. Well, he was obedient. I guess you could say he learned it in the, by experiencing it, uh, but whatever the case, he was he was perfect in in every aspect and obedient to the Father, and because of that, he could offer himself and become the propitiation for our sins. But these things cannot be discerned by people that just drink milk. They just want the feel good sermons. They'll feel good. God loves you. You're worth it. I just watched a ridiculous one on YouTube a couple hours ago, which I'll probably mention either tomorrow when we get into the book of Revelation. Uh, modern day Gnostic New Age minister with a collar and a rainbow something around his vestige, you know, um, scarf was touting John 3.16 as all about your inner Christ. It has nothing to that Jesus was the man and Christ was the divine DNA from the foundation of the world which created the world which has been throughout the eternity and Jesus just came to realize the divine DNA in the Christ. And once he realized that, he just wanted everybody else to find it within themselves. This is Mormonism, this is Gnosticism, this is all this stuff. And that, um, you know, Muhammad knew about it, and Gandhi knew about it, Buddha knew about it, all these people had found this, this inner Christ and came to know that they tapped into the divine DNA. And therefore, salvation is all about living life now to the fullest, to your full knowledge of your divine DNA. Salvation has nothing to do with eternity with God in he even went as far as to saying that Jesus never said that he was the way. <laughs> ah, and this guy is wearing a collar, claims to be some kind of minister. And so what do we know? We know that everything he says is wrong and nothing is biblical, which shows you he doesn't read the Bible. And anything he does know of the Bible is just the milk of the word. All he looks for is the milk. What can make me feel good and other people make them feel good? And also can also encourage them, or shall I say, um, enable them in their sin, to continue their sin. Uh, do all things as whatever makes you feel good. So this is where our world is headed, and this is why the book of Hebrews and these kinds of books are so powerful, because they rightly divide the truth. They give you the, right into your face. They say this is exactly what salvation is. There's no turning away from it. And this is the way to, to the Father. There is one priesthood. There's one man. There is one way, the man Christ Jesus, who is the mediator between God and the human race. <laughs> well, enough of that. Let's um, pray for our world. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for guiding us and helping us form our, our thoughts again biblically on what you did in the Old Testament, what you did in the New Testament, what you're doing today, the way you are giving us this clear
clear understanding prophetically, God, how your spirit was dwelling on the earth, how it left, how it came back in the form of a Savior, a Messiah, who yielded up his life so that the glory that was within him could then come and rest upon us. And we have that. We are receivers and partakers, God, and there is no other way to the Father but by our Lord and Savior. And we rejoice, God. We ask that you not allow these false teachings in the church to get any traction on YouTube, any any followers on any of these social media platforms, God, but that you you step in and you stop the nonsense and, and protect the church because these these evil, false antichrists, spirit of antichrists are coming and just invading all over the place. Help us to remain steadfast in the truth. So God, we ask that you would, again, touch, heal, touch those who need healing. We know there are many people right now that, that are hurting. There's been a, a number of of things that have, prayer requests that have come up from the United States, people that are going through surgery and uh, back surgery and also broken arms with Hank's wife and his, his own cancer treatment, God. Those who have lost someone they love recently, God, and are grieving, may you just touch them and heal their hearts and help them to, to gain the right perspective of why these things happen and what you're trying to do. So many people have gone home to be with you, Father, since COVID and the vaccines have come along. It's overwhelming. We just ask you to fortify it and strengthen our bodies against anything that these viruses or the medicine given for these viruses can do to us. So strengthen our bodies to, to be uh, strong against these viruses. Heal Renee, who's feeling sick. We just help her, God, as we, we need her strong. As she, she has so much to do, so many things we are doing. Heal her back as well. Thank you for bringing Abby home safely, but we pray for those that are traveling. I want to pray for Mary and her surgery going to come up pretty soon, December. Just prepare her for that. And for the conference that's going to be happening in a, a few weeks down south to um, just encourage believers and help people get solid and strong. So we lift these things up to you, God, as well as those who recently just accepted you. Fortify them. Do not allow them to fall into heresy or into false teaching. Just guide them in your word, bring them into solid biblical truth. Thank you, Father, for this time that we have with you. God bless you. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <music>